coming up. See, for some of us, we don't have to go no further than that. Because as soon as you say rich, people automatically think, the world automatically think, good life. Good life. Because they, they, they put so much stock in earthly possessions. All right. But Jesus goes on and says more. It is important to say more because there are some people who are rich, but they don't have a good life. Hello, and thank you for joining us on One by One, the podcast ministry of Quench Life Christian Fellowship. It's a new year. And while you might be working on keeping those resolutions so you can have the good life you've been longing for, Pastor Robert wants us to examine our thoughts and beliefs on what we call good. Join us for this challenging message series, Living the Good Life. Here's the third message in the series, Final Determination. In the first part of this series, Living the Good Life, we focused on David and his journey when he was down and struggling and on the run, trying to keep from getting assassinated. And from that, we talked about how there are some requirements for the good life. One of which was it the good life requires the involvement of God. That was one of the things, the requirements we talked about. In the second message, part two of this series, we talked about Moses' message to the children of Israel before they were getting ready to enter the promised land. And in that message, we got acquainted with the voice of the good life. We personified the good life. And one of the things that the voice of the good life said, because we said if the good life was a person, what would they say? And one of the things the good life said, said was, I live in the commandments of God. I live in the commandments of God. That's where, that's where you'll find me. <laughs> and then it went on to say that if you choose to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, then you have chosen me, the good life said. You have chosen me. And so today, we're going to go to part three, and we're going to look at a, uh, the words of Jesus Christ in order to decipher this. And so I want to draw your attentions to the book of Luke, chapter 16, Verses 19 through 31. That's Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Luke 16, 19 through 31. It reads, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived luxury lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. 
The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away and with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you receive your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted, comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not, uh, not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Amen. This story that Jesus told came on the heels of him being challenged because he was welcoming sinners and eating with them. Now this, he said this, he gave a long dissertation after they challenged him on welcoming sinners and eating with them. He said a whole bunch of stuff. Next week, we're going to cover another portion of what he said in response. But this, what we just read, is part of his response to them challenging him from welcoming sinners and eating with them. Now, this is critically important because the, the, the mindset at the time when they challenged him was that they believed, one of the things that they believed that set sinners and non-sinners apart <laughs> was that if you were rich, then you must be right. That was their mindset. That was one of the things that they used to determine if you was a sinner or not. And um, in, uh, conversely, they determined that if you were poor, then you must be a sinner. If you were sick, then you must be a sinner. That's why the disciples asked Jesus when the, and they, the blind, they ran across the man that was blind from birth. They asked him, who sinned? You know, it's funny that they would ask, well, who sinned? <laughs> you know, like they didn't ask, Lord, do something. That's not what they said. Help him. They said, no, who sinned? Right. Ain't it funny how people are just more curious about who sinned than they are to help people? So they had a mindset that if, again, if you were rich, you must be righteous. And if you're poor, you must be unrighteous. And so they challenged our Lord because he was welcoming unrighteous folk. 
and eating with them. And so he tells part of his response to them is the story we just read about the rich man and the poor beggar Lazarus. Hey. And so we're going to dive into this. And so on your outline, write this down. A, truths from the story, from the true story told by Jesus. Truths from a true story told by Jesus. Now I'm putting emphasis on the true story because not everybody believes the story is a true story. They believe it's a parable like many of the other parables Jesus told that were symbolic stories. Though there is symbolism in here, there's a reason to believe that this is a true story, though everybody don't. I happen to be one of the ones that believe this is a true story. In fact, I, that's my perspective on most of the things, anything Jesus say. <laughs> that's the way, that's the position I take. Okay. And so, but there's a reason that's up over and above what makes this story or this parable, if you want to call it that, something different than the other parables is because in the other ones, he doesn't give anybody a name. He doesn't name anyone. But in this one, he said there was a beggar named Lazarus. Okay. So if you think the other parables aren't real, I, 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 though I don't do, I agree with you, but I would caution you on transferring that belief to this one. Because Jesus gave him a name. He, he said there was. And also notice that the passage doesn't begin with, and Jesus told a parable. It, this one don't begin with that. Some of them do. They, they start with, and Jesus spoke this parable to them. They didn't say that. They, Jesus just stopped in the middle after he had finished saying something else. He went to another paragraph, if you will, and he said, there was a man. <laughs> there, there was a man. Okay. There was a man. So we're going to pull out some truths from a true story told by Jesus. The first truth is, write this down, uh, what the world would call a good life. What the world would call a good life. Look what it says in Luke 16, 19. There was a rich man. See, for some of us, we don't have to go no further than that because as soon as you say rich, People automatically think, the world automatically think, good life. Good life. They, they, they think, because they, they put so much stock in earthly possessions. All right. But Jesus goes on and says more, because it is important to say more, because there are some people who are rich, but they don't have a good life. Some that you would even say, that's not a good life. Let me give you a scenario in which you know, being rich just, just wouldn't really, really wouldn't matter. Uh, we, saw it on, we saw it on the movie Titanic. If you saw the movie Titanic, the, the ship was sinking. Okay, it, 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 it was going down. And, and on that ship was some people from all economic classes. Yeah, y all, y all, it was going down. 
Okay, uh, there was no amount of money that was going to keep the ship from going down. So money, money doesn't matter much when when you in the middle of the ocean and everybody about to sink. Right? So it's it's contextual. It's contextual, right? So, but Jesus goes on and says more because he wanted to give us more flavor or more truth. He says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, yeah, yeah, listen to Jesus. He's a master teacher. We've been talking about that, right? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus he, 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 he dressed this dude up. He didn't just tell you about him. He, he gave you some context and, and used some imagination. He said he was, he told you what his wardrobe looked like. He said he was dressed in purple and fine linen. <laughs> he was sharp. <laughs> right? Uh, all right. He was GQ. Well, you know, that back in the day. I know that's old. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I can't help myself. But, um, you know, he, he was, you know, what, what's the, he was, oh, oh, I, I heard this term a couple weeks ago. He, he was dripping. <laughs> I think that's how you say it. Is that, yeah, I think it's, yeah, he was dripping. He was, <laughs> I think that's the term. If I messed it up, y'all forgive me. But I think it was called drip. He was dripping. And Jesus says, he, and, and then he goes on and says, um, and lived in luxury every day. He lived in luxury every day. <laughs> Use your imagination. It don't take you long to figure out what luxury looked like living in. Uh, mansions, big houses, uh, many rooms, uh, servants. Yeah, yeah, y'all there? Uh, cooks. Oh, can you, you know, just snap your finger and then say, yeah, I, I, like, I like a steak, well done. <laughs> you know, yeah, some asparagus. Maybe a little uh, um, caviar on the side. Can you handle that for me? <laughs> this man, this man was living in luxury every day. Personal trainer. Vacations around the world. The best lawyers if there's any legal issues. The best doctors if there's any medical issues. Um, chauffeurs to drive him around in his Bentley and his other Mercedes. <laughs> you know, his Lexus. Yeah. Lavish parties, expensive wine. Private jets, private yachts, expensive cars, power and influence. That's what this world would call the good life. So Jesus says, this is how this man was living. But he don't stop there. He goes on to say, number two, write this down, what the world would call a bad life. What the world would call a bad life. Luke 16, 20 and 21 says, 
at his gate, the rich man's gate, was laid a beggar. His name, he was named Lazarus, covered with sores. So not only was he poor that he had to beg, but he was also sickly. He, he was covered with sores. So th there, there was a, 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 some social stigma here because he was covered with sores. <laughs> and the text says, thank God that he had somebody who cared enough to at least lay him at the gate. The text says he was laid at the gate. Somebody cared enough to take him at least to the gate of the rich man. <laughs> Even though he was poor and sickly. And verse 21 goes on and says, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. So all he wanted was, I, he, didn't, he, wasn't, he didn't want a well-done steak. He wasn't desiring a well-done steak. He says, just give me the crumbs from your table. I'll be satisfied. This is what the world would say is a bad life. And then it goes on. It says, even the dogs came and licked his sores. He had canine doctors. That's the life he was living. His, his medic barked. Okay. The, the dogs came and licked his sores to soothe his pain. The world would say that's a bad life. But Jesus didn't stop there in the story. He goes on to give us some more truths. Number three, write this down. A fact of life is that everyone will die. A fact of life is everyone will die. Luke 16, 22 says, the time came when the beggar died. The rich man also died. So whether rich or poor, eating steak or crumbs, well or sick, we all die. And it can't be denied that we're all going to die. That's a fact of life. It's, and, and it's sad that this fact of life, some of us don't want to talk about. But it's important to talk about it and think about it. Because then it raises other questions about what happens after I die. Which is a major question to, to consider. Which takes us to point number four. The final determination of your life happens in the afterlife. The final determination 
of your life happens in the afterlife. Whether or not you lived a good life or a bad life will finally be determined in the afterlife. The world doesn't make that determination. We're going to see as the story goes on that the world doesn't determine whether or not your life is good or bad. The text, uh, uh, Hebrews 9, 27a says, a, uh, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Just as people are destined to die once, after that to face judgment. So after we die, whether rich or poor, every single one of us got to face judgment. Because you live rich <laughs> doesn't exclude you from facing the ultimate judge, God himself. <laughs> you, you don't get out of that one. There's no bail bondsman. There's no uh, defense attorney. The only defense attorney you're going to see, we're going to see later, that you could ever take to judgment is Jesus Christ. <laughs> y all, y all, you, there, there's no other, in fact, there's no one else even allowed in the courtroom <laughs> with you other than Jesus Christ. And if he don't come with you, you on your own facing the great judge. 1 John 4, 15 through 17 says, all who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves you, loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. I'm going to pause for a minute. Again, we made this point in the first message that you don't have a good life without the involvement of God. This text is, is substantiating that, that if, if you love God, you love Jesus, you have confessed Jesus Christ, declared Jesus the son of God, you got God living in you, and you live in God. That's what make your life good. Not the yachts and the boats and all that stuff. What makes your life Good is you got God. Verse 17 goes on and says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So we realize that whether rich or poor, you're going to die. And when you die, you face judgment. But the text is telling us that if we declare Jesus to be the son of God, God lives in us. We live in him. And then we don't have to be afraid of judgment. Just ain't got to be afraid of it. We can face the judgment with confidence. Why? Because we live like Jesus in the world. That's the good life. Living like Jesus in the world. Not living like billionaires, but living like Jesus is a good life. You've been listening to One by One. Here's a personal message from Pastor Robert. You may have never said yes to Jesus Christ. 
You know God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin so that you could live with him forever. If you're ready to say yes to the love that God showed, pray this prayer. Lord God, I admit that I sinned against you. I made some mistakes in my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and my mistakes and I commit my life to you. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, take control, transform me to reflect the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to personally welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to connect with the church near you so that you can learn more about Jesus, grow closer to God, and to other believers. God bless you. To learn more about Quench Life Christian Fellowship, visit quenchlife.org. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quenchlifecf to receive regular words of encouragement and ministry updates. Join us next time. All the stuff, all that polishing you do on your car, your car ain't coming. I mean, really, it just ain't, it just ain't coming. You need to polish up, polish your personality. Polish, polish, polish some of the stuff that's going to go with you so when it gets over there, it'll look good. You, 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 tear, you, you tear some in your favorite pants and you, you, know, you want to take them to the seamstress. You want to get them stitched back up. You know, stitch up your anger. Fix that up. Stop, stop hating folks. Stop loving on people. Thank you for listening.